Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Welcome, I'm, uh, I'm Pastor Randall. If you're first time here this Sunday or with us, I want to I wanna thank you. Thank you for coming to the first service of the new year, 2024. I'm so grateful that you're here and you're worshiping with us. I want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online. I know we got a lot of people out sick and people watching all over. I was just looking at the comments and um, about worship, and I also just saw uh, somebody just asking real quick. Said they're like dealing with some suicide. Can we just pray for that person right now online watching? Can we just pray for them, Lord? We just pray with you, pray for you to intervene in that person. I don't know where they're at in the world, but right now they're asking for help. Lord, would you help them? Would you meet them right where they are as we follow up with them? God, we thank you for their bravery. Thank you for connecting us with them. Lord, and we ask you and invite you right now to work into that. And also in this room, we have have no idea what's going on in each person's heart, but we proclaim the name of Jesus over the enemy and his schemes to steal, kill, and destroy. We love you. We invite you here in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, awesome worship. If you have your Bible, go ahead and get it with me. We, we like, we're a church that's about the Bible. We're a church that's about Jesus. We are going to get into the Word. If you're new today, you're watching online, and you've, you've never been here, we, we go through the Scripture. We teach the Scripture. We talk about the Scripture. We walk through the Scripture, and we say, God, what do you want to speak to us about? And that's what we're doing today because we believe the, power, the Word of God is powerful and effective and transformative in our life. And so we're going to be jumping into the Word in just a second, but I want to just um, build up to where we're going. We're going to be in John 13 just a minute, if you want to follow along. You can also scan the little QR code, and it'll take you to the Scriptures and all the things you need for today with all the, the notes. So <coughs> last week was the last Sunday of the year, and we had one service, had a great service, full house. We had Alan share and preach. He did a phenomenal job. I know you guys loved him. I heard so much about from him. <laughs> Young man that God's got his hand, his life on. It just turned 23, and it's just phenomenal to see what God's doing in his life and others. And, but um, he talked about resolutions, and what if God made your resolutions for 2024? You know, what would it look like? And it was very challenging because all of us put in our resolutions, like think about the new year, things we want to accomplish in this new year, and whether it's like financially or relationally or physically, we talk about these things, we plan for them, and we do all of that, and, and, it's, and it's great. And he talked about what if God set your resolutions, and they were great. It was like, what, what if he, you served more, you, you, know, you um, forgave more? You got to know Jesus more. Those things like that, those are really great. And, and those are great resolutions. But I want you to know something. We're not the first people in the history of the world to make resolutions. We're not, right? As a matter of fact, if you go back in history, do a little history lesson with you, people have been making resolutions for the new year uh, for a long time. If you go back to like 4,000 years ago <clears throat> to the Babylonians, they used to have this holiday. It's called Ekiktu. And it was in March because their New Year started in March. And so they would have this 12-day religious celebration where it was at the kickoff of the, of the planting and the harvest of the year of the, of the farming season. And so they have this 12-day 
celebration and they would make promises for the new year. So they would make like resolutions. I want to improve my life and do these things. Here's what I got to work on. And, and like some of the things, one of the big things was this, they were forgive, like to re, they promised to repay their debts in that next year and to return anything they had borrowed from somebody. Pretty funny, right? Some of us need to keep that one. <laughs> Return some things you borrowed from somebody, right? So with, anyway, they, that was part of the thing. And they did it because they wanted to appease their God over the harvest so that they would have a great harvest. If I don't owe anybody anything, I, I've given back all that, then God will sh- their God would show favor on them in their new year. So that's why they would do that. Now, fast forward, you go to 46 B.C., and we have Julie, uh, uh, Julius Caesar who is uh, he, he changed the calendar around. So this is where we get January, February, March, our seasons, our, our, I mean, our, t- our months. And so he changed the calendar around. He said, I want it to start on January 1st, and we're going to call the month January based off of, and we're going to name it the, the name January because it's named after a god called, one of their gods called Janus, J-A-N-U-S. That's how we get the name January. So they named it, and this god that they worshiped, one of their many gods, had, it was two-faced. He had a face forward and a face in the back. Wouldn't that be the answer? I think most, most mothers already have that, right? Face in the front and the back, right? But, they, but, so, but Janus, they would worship this God. And so they named January because he was looking forward in the new year and back in the last year. So they would have this holiday. They would celebrate and people would make new resolutions for the year to live better, do better, be a better person, work on their weaknesses. So that Janus, this God would show them favor in the new year, and they would appease their God. And so now you fast forward. Here we are thousands of years later, and we make our resolutions. We set our goals, and a lot of them have to do with this, working on our weaknesses, getting better in our character, achieving things, right? Like working on our flaws, things that we didn't do so great. Remember, we weren't so disciplined in our eating. Maybe we're in a, or maybe the really good ones, like, I'm going to spend more time with Jesus, I'm going to serve. I'm going to, you know, like forgive more people. All the things we should be doing. We set these resolutions. And for some people, those resolutions are no different than, no different than what the Babylonians and the Romans did. You are hoping to appease God. You're hoping that God is pleased with you, shows you favor in the new year. You may not even be thinking that, but you are. You're like, if I do these things, God will really love me a whole lot in this new year. He'll show me favor Here's what we find. We set our goals. We set our promises. We do our things we're going to fix. And maybe before the week's over, we've blown it. Anybody? I mean, I set this one thing this year. Like, I'm not going to eat for the month of January any sugar. (laughs) So you got the same goal, right? No sugar. And man, I mean, it's like a booby trap because... My wife always feels like our stockings. She feels everybody's stockings, you know, the house with chocolate. And everybody gets chocolate and there's all this food. And like, so January 2nd, I've already blown it. I'm already eating these little Hershey kisses and all that, you know. Like it's, it, I'm like, ah. Here's what we re- realize, guys. To set goals and then face our own limitations is a common human experience. We set goals things we want to work on, things we want to fix, even the good ones, the religious ones, to get closer to God. And then what happens? We realize I'm not as good or as strong or as faithful or as disciplined as I thought I was. 
So here's the truth. Human frailty and failure are uninvitable. Would you agree with that? You're like, oh, maybe you guys a little pride. You're like, not for me. I, I stick to my goals. I, and you're, I'm very resolute. I, I get them done. But I bet if we looked in some other areas of your life, you're not getting it done. Some other areas, right? See, none of us are perfect. But thankfully, and here's the good news, church. Here's thankfully, the God of the Bible, the God we worship, is not appeased by our perfection. Amen. That's a good place to amen. He's not sitting around saying, you better get it right or I'm not going to favor you or bless you. He is not appeased by our perfection. How is God pleased? How does God please us? Not by our efforts and our, our perfection. I want you to see, before we get to John, I'm setting it up. Look at this in Romans 3.22. It says this, we are made right with God. How? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're made right with God. Not by perfection, not by doing all the goals and set, achieving all the things. He says, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned and everyone falls short of the glorious standard. Here's the truth. On your best days, on the days that you are so pleased and proud of you got it all together, listen, it's still just filthy rags compared to the glory of God. We cannot appease God. Thank God, Jesus appeased the Father. Because why? Because we can't and never will. Jesus appeased the Father, so that's why we're here worshiping him. That's why we're proclaiming the name of Jesus all over that. And as we walk into our new year, we're going to realize we're pretty frail. We're pretty, we're not, we don't get it all together, but thank God for Jesus. Now, does that mean we go like, oh, oh well? No, because the Scripture talks about we're not perfect, but we keep pressing forward. We keep pressing forward. I want you to see this other scripture from Philippians 3.13. It says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forget 2023, forget yesterday, and strain toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal or the resolution, right, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We don't just throw up our hands and say, oh, well. No, we keep pressing forward. We keep pro progressing. See, the Christian journey is, not, is about progress, not perfection. It's about progress. And this, you need to get that in your head this year because in this year, you're going to run into your failures. And here's what you need to remember. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. It's about me picking it up, keep moving, moving forward. So here's the deal. We want to follow Jesus. We want to progress in our faith. We want to become more like him day by day in our life, our family, our marriage, the way we are in our relationship with him. We want to be, grow in that. But at the same time, we're frail. We're like Paul who says, the one thing I want to do, I don't do. And the one thing I don't want to do, I do. I mean, anybody relate to that? So then how do we progress in our faith while being frail and prone to failure? How do we do that? Well, we're going to jump into the scripture today, John 13. And we're going to see where Jesus addresses the failure of two different people and see what we can learn from about our failure, God's grace, and what we do about that. So in John 13, here's where we've been going, church. We've been walking through the book of John. Now we're back. We're at John 13. And what has happened just before that, there has been the Lord's Supper where he's, he's, he's got, this is that takes place at the Lord's Supper. He's eating with his disciples, last meal, giving them his instructions. And, and he talked about his blood. He talked about his body that's going to be broken. And last week we did communion together. It was just, you know, a couple weeks ago, reflecting on that. 
And now we're going to pick up into where a tense part of the meal happens. And we're going to see this whole idea of our frailty and failure and see how God interacts with it. Before we read the scripture, let me pray for us. Would you just pray with us? Lord, thank you for your word this morning. It is powerful. It is like a hammer that breaks hard hearts. So Lord, if our heart, heart is, needs broken this morning, would you break it? It's like a scalpel perfectly placed by the doctor. Lord, if there's things that need to be removed and cut out of our life and our heart, would you do that this morning? Lord, let it be a light guiding our path. Let it be healing. Let it be bread, water. And Lord, we pray for open eyes to see what you need us to see today. Help us to see beyond our own imperfections and see what you want us to see. Lord, help us to have ears to hear your word, specifically your voice today. And Lord, would you give us a mind that can understand and a heart that is teachable and ready to be touched and changed by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So John 13, it's the middle of the, of the supper, and here's what happens. It's a good bit of reading. Hang in there, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about it. Here's what it says. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Now you can imagine this being around the table and saying, one of you is going to betray me. And here's what happens. The disciples stared at one another. It's a stare down, right? They're looking around like, it's going to be you. You're the one. You're, who's good? And they're kind of looking around there. They're at a loss to know which of them he meant. Here's what that tells us. That Just kind of read in a little bit. None of them expect anybody around the table to be a deceiver. And one of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, the disciple Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. And Simon, Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. He wants to get a little insight. Now, this was Jesus. Who's leaning on him? The one he loved is Jesus' closest friend. Who was at church? Anybody know? John, his closest friend. <clears throat> so leaning back, imagine this with me. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered to him. So this is privately. It's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. So then he says that to him. Then he gets up, and here's what he does. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the mill understood why Jesus said this to him. See, they didn't, they didn't hear the private conversation between John and Jesus. So he just gets up and says, what you're about to do, go do. They don't know what's going on. <clears throat> Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what he was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. <clears throat> My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. What did he just do? He just washed their feet and just served them. He says, by this, by your love for one another, he says, he says everyone will know you are my disciples. If you love one another, the church should be known for its love for one another, is what he's saying. That's a whole sermon, but I'm not going to go there on that today. 
Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, and I love this, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Don't you love his passion? It's like us. After we've been to a great concert, worship's amazing. I love you, Jesus, man. I'll do everything for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So that's the scripture. We're going to talk about it. So here what we have. Jesus foretells, foretells. In the NIV, it says predicts. I don't think Jesus predicted anything. I think he knew it. He foretold it. You are going to betray me, and you're going to do this. He's told it like it was. He knew it. It wasn't a prediction like 80% right. No, he knew it. Right? And he said this. He said, went to Judas and said, Judas, what you're going to do, go do now. See, he knew it. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he was already talking with these religious leaders and going to betray him and to give away his location, and he'd lead him to Jesus, lead them to Jesus for this money. Right? What was he to gain out of this? Money. And, and we can kind of see ourselves. I want you to take a moment, and you maybe have never thought you're kind of like Judas, but I think we are a lot like Judas. See, here's what we do. A lot of times we choose personal gain over following Christ. What am I going to gain from this? Jesus calls me to do it this way, but I'm going to do it this way. You know what? I'm going to do my, my dating relationship. You guys are in dating relationships. You're like, hey, I know Jesus calls me this way, but, man, look what I gained by doing it this way. Or maybe to cheat at work. You know what? I'm following Jesus that I can do it this way. But, but you know, if I t- cheat a little bit, if I look, give away all my convictions and do this thing, I'll get ahead. For what? For personal gain instead of honoring Jesus. Maybe in your, at school or at work, you, you, you know, instead of standing up for what you believe and your faith, you just cower quietly or maybe join in in the course joking. You choose your personal gain over following Jesus. So we can be a lot like Judas. It just kind of shows that you know, we are like him, right? We, we're frail. And we fell. Now let's skip forward to Peter. Now, Peter, I, I like Peter. He, he's a passionate guy, right? He, he's, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Yeah, he's so fired up. Like I know a lot of our students, our, our college people just got back from passion and there's thousands and tens of thousands of students worshiping Jesus and it's a powerful, powerful event. Lives are changed. And, I, and I've been to those events. I'm sure you've maybe been around, you've been to experience that something and you get so fired up. You're like, oh wow, man, you, you're just fired. I'm gonna spend 10 hours a morning with you, Jesus, right? I'm gonna tell everybody I know about Jesus. I'm gonna never sin again. And you're so fired up, like Peter. He's like, I will never betray. I'll follow you anywhere. And before the day is over, you blew it. Right? That's what we do. Thank God. God's love for us was the same. We're making the promises even when we blew it. See, Peter's courage and faith faltered under pressure. And listen, church, we're like that. We are like that. We can have all the faith. We can experience. He, he had experienced the miracles. He'd watched what Jesus done. He'd seen all. He was there a few days earlier when Lazarus was raised from the dead. He had seen it all. And he was faith. His 
full of faith and full of courage and intended to follow Jesus, but when the moment came, he faltered. Why? Because frailty and failure are part of what it means to be a human. So what does this reveal about people, about you and me? What does it reveal about God? Let's take them all and go down that, that journey. So what does it reveal about us? Well, we've already said it. We're all frail, right? We're all weak and prone to failure, all, all of us, every single person. And you may think you got it all together, but there are moments we might have it together in one life area of your life and others areas you don't. We are all weak and prone to failure, every person in this room. You've not met a person who's not weak and prone to failure. We all are. Everybody in here, we all may, like Peter, fail, even though we have promised not to. Or we may deceive ourselves and give in to just to gain a little something. We are all like that, every single one of us. That's one of the first things we need to recognize and agree to. Yep, there's only been one perfect person. And who was it? Not you, right? Jesus, he's the only perfect one. And we're like Paul, not doing what we want to do. I mean, we get that. We understand that's the part of the scripture. We understand that. But then we come to the second truth. We're all weak and prone to failure, but thank God this too. We all need God's grace. Every single one of us. See, you know what grace is? Grace is this. Grace is the unmerited or unearned favor and love from God that he gives to us. It's the unla- he gives us his love. He gives us his favor. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't be perfect this year. You won't be perfect this year. But what does he do? He shows you his love and favor, and here's what it does. It fills the gap between our limitations and his perfection. He's here, glorious, amazing, like we read at the beginning. We're down here, and on our best days, it's still just filthy rags. What needs needed in between is Jesus. It's the grace that he says, I love you anyway. Let me show you some favor. Let me show you, even though you're not getting it right. That's grace. And when we experience that grace, listen what it does. It renews us. It strengthens us. It guides us. That's grace, and we all need it. And here's what I know today. This room is full of a broke, of every person in here, weak and prone to failure, who needs the grace of God. We're all in the same boat, including me. Here's what it also tells us. God is deeply aware of our frailties and still loves us. He's not surprised. He wasn't predicting, all right, Judas, you might do this. Peter, you might. No, he knew it. He foretold it. And listen, what he did moments before, you know, he did, he went around and he washed Judas's feet. And he washed Peter's feet, and he served them, and he loved them, knowing all this, that that day they were going to deceive him. He knew it, and guess what? He still served them, and he still loved them. And it's the same for us today, church. Listen, Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love. Here's how he demonstrates his love. His own love for us, that while we were perfect, Jesus died for us. Is that what your version says? I think that's sometimes what we think, isn't it? No, what does it do? It's while we were still messed up, while we were still imperfect, while we were, could not meet that holy standard, he still died for us. That's what his love is like. 
He still knew it. Listen, you go right into this year. Here's what we do. I think when we mess up, we're like, oh, man, God must be so mad. Listen, God already knew it. You're not going to do anything or do whatever, you know, make any mistakes or fail anytime this year. And God's like, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. I had no idea. And here's what we forget. On the moments when you feel his love, when you're doing well, and the moments you don't, he sees it all at the same time, and he loves his lo- love is the same in both situations. So what's his response? Here's what else we learned, the fourth thing we learned. God's response to our failures is not rejection, but an invitation to return to him. This is important. I think sometimes we... we Think of God in like a human term. Like if you hurt somebody, they don't want to be around you. They reject you. If you mess it up, it's kind of like, <laughs> I just thought of this. When I was a kid, we, I was young and we had this, uh, um, when I was a young boy, we had this creek that went by our house. And, and it, was, it was a fun creek. And my parents used to tell us all the time, don't play in the creek, don't play in the creek. And we're like, well, come on, that's what boys do, we play in the creek, right? And so, you know, so I would like take clothes and uh, throw them out the window, and I would go out there and I would change into those clothes to play into the in the creek, and then I would um, and then I would change before I would come back in. I'd change back into the other clothes and I'd come back in and I would walk through the house and I would try to avoid my parents. Why? Well, because I've done something they didn't know. What's eating at me? Guilt and shame and all that, right? And, and but I never could get away with it. You know why? Because I would stink. <laughs> and finally, my mom said, Randall, stop playing in the creek. That's not water, that's sewage. <laughs> right? She loved me. She wanted me. And here I am. She's just trying to protect me. And even when I came in, I'm trying to hide from her. That's what sin does. And I, I get to that point just to say this, that we do the same thing. We go play in the sewage. And we go play in the sewage. And then we try to avoid the father. So we don't get in trouble when all God is doing is saying, listen, I just want to protect you and I love you anyway, even though you smell like crap. (laughs) It's the first time I've said crap in a sermon. (laughs) But the Lord, here's what he does. Psalm 145, 14. This is his heart. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. When we blow it, man, we, we've been playing in the trash. We come in humbly. He lifts us up. He doesn't reject you and say, you stink, get away. He receives you. That's the heart of God. So what do we learn? We're broken. We're mess. We need, all, we need God's grace. He loves us even when we have mistake, made mistakes. And he recalls us back to him. So sum it up. We're all free. We're all frail and need Jesus' grace and strength. So how do we take this into the new year? How do we take this into today, into tomorrow? How do we apply this to our lives? How do we live this out? How do we do it? Let me give it, I'm going to break it down now and give you some practical stuff. We saw about Peter, we saw about Judas, we saw what we learned. Now let's take it home to today. What does that mean for us? How do we progress knowing we're frail and we need Jesus' strength? First thing is that we learn this. If we can pull it up the notes here, let's see. First thing we see is this. 
that we should approach each day with an awareness of our own weakness. We're aware. We're prone we're fa- to failure. We are, f- we are frail. But, and we have a heart ready to, re- to receive and extend grace to others. So we go into this day not expecting, like, hey, we got it all together. Listen, I need Jesus. And listen, I need his grace just to get through this day. Sometimes we think of grace as just for the love and favor he gives us, but it's not just the forgiveness. You know what grace is? Grace is also a gift he gives you. You don't deserve it, he gives you. Grace is also the strength he gives you to get through the day. So we approach each day in our weakness, right? Understanding that we need his grace every single day and we're ready to extend and receive grace. Now listen here, Hebrews 4.16, here's what it says. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. He's, listen, our God doesn't sit on a throne of judgment for the believers. He sits on a throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in time of need, not condemnation. So we go into this day understanding we are weak and, Lord, we need grace. We need grace for this day. Sometimes, you know, I'll have people come in to my office and we'll sit down for counseling and they'll sit there and they'll say, all right, Randall, I've got some stuff going on and I need to confess something. I'm not a Catholic priest. You don't have to confess your sins to me. Right? You go straight to the church or to the, or to the Lord. But people say, I, I need to share something with you and I know you're going to be shocked. And here's what I think. I've been in ministry 30 years. I'm not shocked by anything. I know your st- secrets. You've told them, you've buried them, things... You're embarrassed to tell others. And people will share that with me and they'll look at me like, how could God ever love me? And I'll remind people of this. If, so let me ask you this. If somebody else was coming to you and they shared this with you, what would you encourage them? What would you say to them? You'd say, hey, God loves you. He forgives you. Just repent. Just tell those things to yourself today. You need to hear this. Tell what you would tell your friend. Tell it to yourself. God loves you. He forgives you. And it's time to get up and get going again. Sometimes it's easier to forgive others than it is ourself. Then other times we may have a hard time forgiving other people. So we don't just extend the grace to ourselves. What this scripture reminds us is that we're all broken. Every person in here, every person you will meet today and the rest of this year is in the same boat with you. We're all broken and frail and a failure. And listen. I think sometimes we're surprised when people actually fail. You've never met a person who isn't frail and prone to failure. Ever. The person you're married to, you thought, listen, it's so funny doing weddings and premarital counseling. People just think the person they're getting married to is like Jesus. They're Jesus. I mean, they're just perfect, right? And they're like, oh, they can't see anything. And I'm sitting there going through the premarital counseling, and I meet for people for hours and hours, and we have these conversations, and they can't even find anything wrong with each other. They're blinded by love and lust and everything else, right? And they just, oh, it's going to be great. And then here's what I tell them every time I said, in a year, I'll be here. Y'all come see me. Because <laughs> here's what you realize. I just married a broken person. I just buried somebody that's not perfect, doesn't have it all together. They've got their junk, and you thought went in with blinders on. Right, listen, we're all a mess. You're married to somebody that's a mess. Some have got bigger messes than others, but we're a mess. 
Now, here's what we need to realize. We can go to his throne for help. And when we blow it, the second thing we do, we approach it today with recognizing this mess. And the second thing, we return to Jesus when you fail. Return to Jesus quickly. You don't have to run from him. You don't hide from him. He, he, he receives us in. We return to him. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And he goes on to say, but if we act, say we don't have any sin, we lie. We're just lying. In James 4, 6, he says, he gives more grace, more grace. How much more? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we blow it, we come back quickly. Lord, I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I can't meet that gap, but Jesus can. Will you forgive me? I didn't meet my own, even my own standards today, much less yours. That's grace. That's what we need this year. And the third thing, and, and this one means a lot to me because I've been putting it into practice in my own life specifically a lot the last few months. Ask Jesus daily for strength. We can make all the promises. We can be like Peter. I'm so passionate, full of faith and full of courage and, and excited about what we're going to do and get up in the day and spend time with Jesus and get going. But listen, here's what you need to get in your head. Listen, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit that we can put to death our, our flesh and walk in the Spirit. And, and Jesus understood this and he taught us to pray. I think just about everything we need is caught and captured in that Lord's Prayer. And he tells us this in Matthew 6, 13. He says, pray this. Ask the Father. He says, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. What if you began to pray every day? Lord, I'm a failure. I'm weak. I'm prone to failure. And Lord, lead me away from temptation today. Lord, deliver me from the evil one. See, when you start praying that, you're recognizing, God, I can't get it done on my own. I need your strength. My faith is not enough. My courage is not enough. My, you know, my will and determination, it's not enough. I need your strength. I need your power to come in. I love that in, in AA, right? You've been there. Addiction. With My name is Chris. I'm an alcoholic. Yep, he's been there. Life got saved him from a heroin addiction. addiction. Right? Yep. <clears throat> One of the first things, recognize you can't do without God's help, right? That's it. Yes. Yep. Can't do it. Deliver us from evil. And what if every day you start saying, Lord, this day I am prone to evil, but Lord, I need your deliverance. Would you guide me? I don't want to end up like Judas who sold his soul for a few silver, and it says this, and Satan entered him. Would you deliver me, Lord? And your moment of weakness, Lord, I can't do it. I need your help. Would you deliver me? And just start your day. Lord, lead me out. Guide, go before me. Lead me away from temptation. The temptation within, you know where it says, you know, sin starts, it starts with our own evil desires. Would you even protect me from my own evil desires? Would you protect me from the evil without and with the evil within? Would you deliver me from it? Listen. Right now, 
The enemy has a plan, has a scheme to steal, kill, and destroy your life this year. He is scheming. He is planning. He's thinking, if I can just get into compromise in this one area, maybe I can bust up that home. Maybe if I can get them to just let down their guard here, I can get them into an addiction they never thought they would be in. He's scheming. Peter never thought he'd end up where he was. Judas probably never thought he'd end up where they were. But they opened a door for the enemy to come in. Don't let that happen this year. Trust the Lord to give you strength. Call out to him. And when you fail, repent quickly. Get back to the Lord. Don't leave an open door for the enemy to work. Some of you are already there. You've already blown it in this past year. You've already blown it in this year. Maybe today's a day of coming back and saying, Lord, I confess my weakness, my failure. I need your grace, and I need your strength to make it today. Or maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ at all, and here's what you just realized today. God loves you with all of your mess. You don't have to get it cleaned up first. You just come to him. Let him clean you up. Let him change you. Let him transform you. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace, this amazing grace that that we can't even comprehend. That a God who is so good and so perfect and so loving would step down out of a heaven, come to this earth, live among us, serve people who would betray him, show us what real love is and still forgive and show grace to every person who turns to you. We thank you for that. We thank you. Listen, if you've been saved, you've been born again, and Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, can you just thank him right now? Say, thank you for your grace. Thank you for stepping in and filling that gap of my imperfections. Now, maybe you need to just take a moment and say, Lord, (laughs) deliver me from evil. The weaknesses I'm prone to, my frailty, I need your strength this day and tomorrow and this year. Maybe you've been living in sin and you need to return, return to God quickly, confessing today, seeking his forgiveness. He receives you with open arms. Come to his grace humbly, and he gives you more grace. Come to his throne humbly and receive grace. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, I would encourage you right now, maybe say a simple prayer just of this. Jesus, you know I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect but I thank you that Jesus was and died for me. Now I put your faith, my faith in what Jesus did for me on the cross. Now help me to progress, to progress 
in my faith and become more like you day by day. Father, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace in our life. Help us to take this today, put it into action in our life, following you, walking in your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.